welcome to Buck's Film Room Podcast, brought to you by SB Nation's Brew Hoop. I'm Brian Sampson, the host. You can find me on Twitter at Buck's Film Room. I also have a YouTube channel called, yep, you guessed it, Buck's Film Room, where you can check out in-depth video breakdowns on your favorite team, the Milwaukee Bucks. This podcast can be found under the Brew Hoop feed, so just search Brew Hoop on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and this podcast will be right there attached to that feed. And I'll be launching a new episode every Thursday morning, so you know exactly when to check it out. It'll be titled Bucks Film Room in the little title thing, but you can check it out under the Brew Hoop feed. So this is the first ever episode of the Bucks Film Room Podcast, so congratulations to you for tuning in to the inaugural episode. There are a lot of other Milwaukee Bucks podcasts out there, so I'll do my best to try to separate this one from all the rest. You know, my focus, as always, is to help make you smarter fans about basketball and specifically the Milwaukee Bucks. In order to do that, I'll break down certain aspects of the game and tell you what you can look for or we'll talk about takeaways from the game. You know, we'll really just focus on kind of one game or one theme and that way slowly but surely, you know, we'll build up our intelligence on basketball and we'll attack that, you know, as part of a togetherness, as part of a team. And, you know, of course it's up to you and to decide whether or not to follow the grand advice or the grand scheme, but I will really kind of lay that out for all of you guys. The Too Long Didn't Listen version, this is a new Bucks podcast under Brew Hoop every Thursday. Unique approach, you got it. So before we jump into things, let's just take a peep at the NBA standings. You know, I I don't know about you guys, but I love, I just wake up in the mornings, I'll take a look at the NBA standings, even over this All-Star break. Not much has actually changed, but I just love to look at it. You know, the first team that pops up in the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee Bucks. You know, they're right there on top. They have the 43-14 and record, and... Even though the Raptors have the same amount of wins at 43, the Raptors have somehow still played two more games than the Bucks. So the Raptors are a game behind at 43 and 16, and the Raptors have won six in a row, so they're making a strong push here. But I just like to look at those standings. You know, we'll kind of do a standings watch throughout the season, and I know you'll be paying attention too because we all want the Bucks to get that first seed. And so in order for them to do that, they'll have to win down the stretch. They they beat the Raptors in the season series 3-1, so they kind of have like a two-game lead, but there's still a lot of basketball to be played. Um, it's basically like a five-team race in the Eastern Conference, maybe four if you want to discount the Indiana Pacers. Right now the Pacers are in third. They're five and a half games back at 38-20, and 20, and then the Celtics and 76ers are both tied for fourth and fifth at 37-21. and 21. I I think the general consensus is the Celtics and the 76ers will for sure overtake the Pacers for that third seed in the East, but we'll see how it plays out. Right now, the Pacers only have a game lead over each of those teams, um, but it'll be close. It'll be something to keep an eye on. The Bucks will play the winner of the 4-5 matchup in the second round of the playoffs, granted, given that the Bucks get there, but that should probably happen. So I think that you know, it's something to keep an eye on. And right now, the Bucks have the fifth easiest remaining schedule. Their opponents only have a win percentage of 47.2 or 0.472, however you want to look at it. And that's good news, except for the Raptors have the easiest remaining schedule. I repeat, the easiest remaining schedule at just their opponents have a 45% win percentage. And so 
that's something to keep an eye on. You know, it's not often that you have the two top teams with the top five easiest remaining schedule. The Bucks, they have a couple, they have two games left against Boston, 76ers twice, and then the Rockets again as well. Those are kind of their toughest games coming up. They also have a West Coast road trip next week, which we won't talk about today, but we'll talk about next on the next podcast. Um, so the Bucks really have a great chance to build momentum and really get down to things. All right, so every week I want to kind of highlight one main concept that the Bucks either employ on defense or on offense or something that has popped up from a recent game that really made a difference. I don't know if you guys check out my work on Brew Hoop at all, and you can find it under the author my name, Brian Sampson. And so sometimes I'll do these film room articles, right, where I'll break down, I'll pick out a certain concept of the game. I think I did one on Rudy Gobert versus Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's when the Utah Jazz first kind of, they're one of the first teams this season to really break down and put a, a center on Giannis. And we'll see how that strategy develops throughout the season. But I did a video or, or I did an article with video supporting evidence as to how that really worked out for the Jazz and how it worked out for the Bucks and Giannis. And so... That's something to check out. I've done other ones as well, and I'll probably actually do one after this Thursday night game against the Boston Celtics. So that's who the the Bucks play. I guess I'm kind of jumping the gun. So the Bucks play the Boston Celtics on Thursday at 7 p.m., and it's a national televised game, 7 p.m. Central on TNT. So that's kind of their big game of the next week. They also then will play the Timberwolves on Saturday, February 23rd at 7.30 p.m. Central, and then they'll wrap up the week, at least as far as this podcast is concerned, at the Chicago Bulls on Monday, February 25th at 7 p.m. Central. So the Timberwolves and the Bulls games, you know, Maybe I'm getting ahead of ourselves, but those should probably be victories. The Timberwolves, they're kind of in the middle. So you got Celtics, they're a really good team. You got the Timberwolves, they're like a, eh, yeah, they could be a good team. And the Bulls were just shitty. And so the Celtics, we'll talk about that game in a second. The Timberwolves, the Bucks should handle them easily. They already beat them once in Minnesota. Maybe easily is the wrong word, but the Bucks should take care of business and get that victory. And then at the Bulls, hopefully the Bucks just obliterate them. I can't stand those guys, but hopefully that game Milwaukee takes care of themselves, even if they don't have their best game. And so that brings us to this Celtics game on Thursday night on national TV. You can bet your bottom dollar that everyone will be paying attention to this game. The Bucks are, you know, the the talk of the Eastern Conference. Boston is one of the only teams outside of the top five of the East who didn't make a move. Milwaukee, they added Nikola Mirotic, who hopefully we see him on Thursday night. This would be a great game for him to debut. The the Raptors, they added Marcus Gasol. The Pacers, on a lesser note, but they added Wesley Matthews to replace their injured Victor Oladipo. And then the 76ers, added Tobias Harris. How could I forget about that? The ex-Buck who was once traded for J.J. Redick and now he plays with J.J. Redick. And so the 76ers, they're dealing with injuries of their own. Embiid's going to be out a week, but doesn't seem like it'll be anything serious. But anyway, so the Bucks and the Celtics, that will be the talk of the town in the NBA on Thursday night. And Milwaukee is lucky enough to play that game at home. And the key aspect that I really want to focus on this game is 
the the pick and roll defense that the Bucks play. Um, I think that's going to be a key. That's been kind of the I don't know if weakness is the right word, but I'm going to use it. Uh, that's kind of been the weakness that people have pointed out against the Bucks this year is they're vulnerable to a big who can set a ball screen and then pop to the three point line. Um, these two teams, the Bucks and the Celtics, they went seven games last year. You can kind of throw that out the window, basically. Seven games in the playoffs, I mean, the first round. You can kind of throw that out the window. So many things have changed with the Bucks, at least, that it's really just not the same. But but this year, the teams, so the teams have split one and one. The Bucks lost the first matchup of the season against the Celtics. It was 113 to 117 on November 1st. Is a real close game. And Kyrie Irving, he went off. He had 20 28 points and he was 6 of 12 from downtown. Horford, he did all right. He was he was 4 for 11 from the outside as well. And I'll get to that in a minute is why I'm highlighting their three-point shooting. And then the Bucks won the second matchup 120 to 107 on December 21st. And that matchup was a little bit different because Horford didn't play in the game and I think he can kind of be the X factor when they play. And so this pick and roll defense that the Bucks run is something that's really important. It's something that a lot of people out there is talking about. So I want to kind of catch you up on that. So there are are numerous pick and roll defenses that team runs, that different teams run throughout the season, or depending on their personnel. One of maybe the more popular ones that you've heard about is a switching defense. So if somebody sets a ball screen. So say you got a center like Brooke Lopez, right? His man goes to set a ball screen on the guy Eric Bledsoe is defending. Then Lopez will switch out onto the ball handler, so he'll now be guarding the point guard, while Eric Bledsoe will switch onto the new center, or onto the center, and he'll be guarding the the big man. And so that's probably one of the more common ones. It's easy, that way you don't get caught up on the screen, and defensively you can ensure at least momentarily that the guy doesn't get a clean look coming right off of that ball screen. That's not what the Bucks run. They've run that a couple of times this year, but typically they 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 run what's called a drop pick and roll coverage. So they run the drop pick and roll coverage, and so if you want to if you want to sound smart to your friends, you can drop that in there. You know, hey, did you see the Bucks running that drop PNR coverage the other night or pick and roll coverage? You know, you can say that whatever you want, and so. What that looks like is if Brooke Lopez is guarding Al, Al Horford in this instant, Horford goes to set a screen on Eric Bledsoe with Kyrie Irving having the ball at the top of the screen or at the top of the key. So Horford's setting the ball screen. Instead of Lopez running up to the level of the ball screen, he'll actually drop, which is where it gets his name from, he'll drop into the lane. He usually puts his heels at the top of the little half semicircle in the restricted area. He'll put his heels right there. He'll drop all the way to there, keep his arms out, keep them up high, and that way the def- the ball handler, Kyrie Irving, in this example, can't get all the way to the rim. You know, because if Brooke Lopez and his cement block feet were to, his cinder block feet were to come up there, Kyrie Irving would smoke him and drive right past him. And so they run this this coverage. Mike Boonholzer has put this into place in large part, in most part, probably in all parts, because of Brooke Lopez. So when that ball screen is set, Lopez drops. He puts his heels usually puts his heels right at the top of that semicircle for the for the restricted area and forces the offensive player to come to him and he'll keep his arms out so that way if the offensive player wants to come all the way close to the lane and try to shoot a little floater he'll put his arms up high and he'll make that a tough shot 
Uh, he'll contest it. You know, he won't. A lot of times he'll get a block, not all the time, but he'll at least make that a difficult shot for the offensive player. And defensively, you can't take away everything. So sometimes that's just what you have to live with is making the offense take a tough shot. And if they make it, kudos to them. But they're likely to miss if you're making them shoot over that seven footer and that long wingspan. And so that's what Brooke Lopez is doing is when that ball screen is set, he's dropping. He'll drop way deep into the paint. And Eric Bledsoe, or the guy defending the ball handler, his job is equally as important. He's not taking a vacation. He's not resting. You know, that's a two-on-one situation the defense or the offense usually has right there. If the if the guy guarding the ball handler gets too gets too out of position on the screen. So Bledsoe or whoever's guarding the ball handler will fight over the top of the screen and they'll work like hell to get back into the picture as soon as possible. So they'll go over the screen and then they'll sprint. They'll do whatever they need to, scrap, claw, whatever they need to, to get back in front of their man and relieve the big man or Brooke Lopez in this example from their duties. And so a lot of times or a couple times this season we've seen like those ball handlers get blocks from behind and that's where you get that from because they're going over the top of the screen. They're clawing, they're working real hard to get back into the picture, to get back onto their man and really to put that pressure. So the ball handler, he feels that behind him. You know, that's not just lost in the in the shuffle. He feels that pressure behind him and so that's how the Bucks run their pick and roll defense and their main goal is to prevent shots at the rim. Uh, the Bucks right now are, let me see my notes. So they rank first in the NBA in allowing only 29.9% of opponent shots to happen around the rim. And they're also first in the field goal percentage around the rim at 56.7% according to cleaning the glass. So to recap that, the Bucks allow the fewest shots around the rim and they allow teams to shoot the worst percentage around the rim. But in the NBA, you can't take away everything, right? You can't take away everything. Players are too good. So in exchange for selling their soul at the rim, they give up the six most mid-rangers and the most shots from the three-point line. And so the biggest weakness for this Milwaukee Bucks defense right now is a big who can pick and pop. So somebody like Horford who can set the screen, pop to the top of the key. You know, he's a 37% three-point shooter on his career. So he'll pop to the top of the key. Uh, to the top of the key after setting the screen. Lopez can't leave and immediately go and defend him. You know, Bledsoe is, is fighting over the screen, trying to get back in the picture. So Lopez has to stay in front of the ball handler until the man recovers. And so once his man recovers, gets back in front, then Lopez can go and recover to the big man on top of the key. And so once that happens, the pass is usually already made by that point. And so if Irving is penetrating, kind of playing games with until Bledsoe recovers, he can dump that ball back to the top of the key. All of a sudden, you got Horford, a pretty good wide open look, and he can knock those down. And so that's why I highlighted he was 4 for 11 in the first game from downtown. And that will be something to keep an eye on here in this Bucks celtics game. Uh, the Bucks they... They, that's probably their biggest weakness on defense and the Celtics of any of the top teams. Well, yeah, so the the Celtics of any of the top five teams are probably best suited to take advantage of the Bucks' biggest weakness. The Raptors kind of fit in that category now because Marcus Gasol, he's an adequate outside shooter himself. But Gasol can get lit up on defense where Horford can more hold his own, and I'm sure 
maybe this is a di- this is probably a different topic, but Horford would be a good guy who to guard Giannis now that we're trying that teams are trying fives at on Giannis. So that's what that looks like, and so just really keep an eye out on that. The Bucks they don't go to that switching defense. You know, at the beginning of the year, Budenholzer never did it. For the probably first two, maybe more months, he never did it. We're starting to see it a tiny bit more in desperate situations. Take that Indiana Pacers game, for instance. The Bucks got down, I think, 10 points in the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, Budenholzer then switches defensive schemes, and they started running a switching defense. So you saw... You saw somebody like Lopez guarding uh, Darren Collison and other guys on the perimeter, and he was working his ass off. Let me tell you, he was trying to move his feet. Darren Collison had a turnover in that game for sure. Brooke Lopez got him in the corner another time, knocked the ball out of his hand, so he was working hard. But there's a difference between Darren Collison and a Kyrie Irving, and so we'll see what that looks like. We'll see how Budenholzer attacks that. In the past, even if he's gone to the switching defense, it hasn't been to the fourth quarter. It hasn't been until they're desperate. So we'll see how he really keeps how that defense looks, and if Horford's able to take advantage of it and knock down some threes. You know, it's really time. That's really something to keep an eye on for this game, and something I want you guys to kind of report back to and let me know your thoughts. Like I said, you can find me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room, so you can hit me up in there. I always love to engage with you guys, so we can really just chat about what that looks like, and I'll probably be dropping videos too um, on different things that I'm seeing, and we can kind of have that back and forth. All right, well, this is kind of cool. I mean, for me at least. So let's take a short break for our own personal sponsor of the podcast. Just kidding. It's it's an ad incorporated by SB Nation, and I actually have no idea what it'll be. But let's take a quick break because I, I have no choice. So stick around, and we'll have the rant of the week right after this. All right. So I hope that was a good commercial. I I wonder if it was like Blue Pill or something like that. I don't know. I don't get paid by Blue Pill. I don't. I just hear it on other podcasts I listen to. I, so maybe it was that. I don't know. I'm just taking a wild, wild guess. I hope it was something good. Um, so the rant of the week. So every week on this podcast, I'm going to kind of just go off, tee off on something stupid, something that I've seen on social media and I've you know, something that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't always have to be social media, I guess, but something pertaining to the Bucks and just really go off and just share how ridiculous it is. And so this week, I want to talk about Giannis and his pending free agency and this Bologna that other teams are getting into or other beat writers are even now falling into the trap. So I'm not going to name names, but this writer for The Athletic, I think I'm guessing like The Athletic San Francisco or something like that, wrote an article, okay, about Giannis joining the Warriors in 2021 when his contract is up and when he is set to become an unrestricted free agent. So this dude wrote a whole article about Giannis joining it and maybe some of you guys have read it it's made its rounds I think I kind of said something on Twitter as well about what it all looks like but here were his reasons on why he felt like he needed to write this article for a reputable uh, website newspaper whatever you want to call them media whatever and so his reasons were threefold one Giannis picked Stephen Curry first in the NBA All-Star Draft. I mean, 
Imagine them. Imagine Giannis picking the greatest shooter of the game, the greatest shooter of all time, first in the All-Star draft. Like, oh, like, wow. He only had one reason to do that, and that's because he wanted to play Curry in Golden State when he's a free agent. There's no other reason he would pick the greatest shooter in the world for his team. You know, the, oh, God, I mean, he could have picked James Harden. Oh, my God. So there, there's the first reason is Giannis picked Stephen Curry first in the All-Star draft, and that means he wants to play with him. Second is the bounce pass that Stephen Curry threw to Giannis where he threw it home. That was one of the sickest plays. I, turn off my sarcasm voice real quick, but that was one of the sickest plays in All-Star game history. Stephen Curry, I'm pretty sure with his little arms, just bounced it as high as he could. Giannis went up, grabbed it, and threw it down. It was freaking insane. It was awesome, but... But this writer, oh my god, they have great chemistry. Imagine them playing with one another. This bounce pass, they could do that in games, and they would just be best buds. You know, get out of here, Clay Thompson. You know, get out of here, Mrs. Curry. Giannis is in town, and they are best buds. They showed it at this All-Star game. They got it. They got this chemistry that can only mean one thing, that they want to play together in Golden State. Go Warriors! And... The third reason is cap space. Yeah, yeah. If you're waiting for more than that, that's all. That was cap space. The, the they can choose to not sign Kevin Durant, or they could choose to sign him to a two-year deal. They could let Draymond Green walk when he's a free agent, and just because they have cap space, they could sign him. So there's zero reporting done in this article. Pure speculation and guessing, yet somehow it got past his ed- editors. I say that like I know how that means. I don't even know how that all works. But so that's what that all looks like. And that those are his reasons and why he felt like he needed to write an article about Giannis going to the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I thought this is the athletic. I didn't know this is freaking clutch points over here, just grasping at straws, writing this bullshit, whatever they want. And so don't read it. I don't recommend reading it. I just gave you everything that you needed to know about that and that's kind of where we're at that's how things are going to be here with Giannis over the next two plus years especially with all all this Anthony Davis stuff going on which is ridiculous right now Anthony Davis's situation doesn't even come close does not even compare to Giannis's situation but that's the Bologna that we're going to have to um deal with here with Giannis in the next two years and I say blog now I'm trying to work on my swearing you know I have kids I can't go around swearing all the time trying these words like silly and blogna but that's neither here nor there uh, I digress I, one thing I wanted to add too is to this article uh, on Wednesday Mark Stein who as far as my I'm aware didn't have anything to do with artists with this article he reported on Twitter on Twitter or somewhere, I don't know where exactly, but he reported that Golden State has, quote, internally mused, end quote, about signing Giannis in 2021. Well, no shit. Which team has not talked about wanting to sign the arguably the best player in the NBA this season when he's a free agent? Like, you just have to be a very bad team, a.k.a. the New York Knicks, to not have to have internally mused about Giannis signing with your team. Like, he is turning into, look what he's doing with the Bucks this year. He's an MVP candidate. He's up for free agency. People might see him as vulnerable. Of course, 
they are going to want to internally muse about him coming to your team. Like, that's not even reporting. I, I might as well send out a quote right now saying every single team in the NBA, minus the New York Knicks, has internally mused about signing Giannis in 2021. 20, so there's that. I hope you guys enjoyed that rant. And that's all that I have for you today. So thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check out this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, basically Everywhere that you can find a podcast, you'll find this one. Remember, it's under Brew Hoop, and it'll be coming out every Thursday morning. With that being said, the Bucks start a West Coast road trip next week, and so they actually play, I think, the Kings next Wednesday night at like 9 p.m. Central, something insane like that. Well, I'm not going to be able, I'll barely be able to stay awake for the game. I won't have the energy to record a podcast afterwards, so this podcast for next week only will be releasing on Wednesday, and then we'll get back to our normally scheduled programming on Thursday. Um, so every Thursday you can find us. You can check me out on Twitter at Bucks Film Room, and we'll kind of go from there. So, yeah, feel free to drop some comments, subscribe, rate, do whatever you got to do, and I hope to catch you all next time.